Reveille, Reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's undisputed versus undisputed. And in boxing, it does not get any bigger than this. Saturday, September 30th, from Las Vegas and only on Showtime Pay-Per-View, undisputed super middleweight champion and Mexican superstar Canelo Alvarez puts his 168-pound titles on the line against reigning and defending four-belt 154-pound champion Jermel Charlo. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Luke Thomas. And this is your morning combat takeover on CBS Sports Network with the ultimate preview of all things Charlo versus Canelo, Canelo versus Charlo. That's the thing. You got two kings, if you will, atop this one. Uh, we are the co-hosts of Morning Combat, which you can catch every Monday and Wednesday and Friday. How about that? Monday, Wednesday, Friday there. Uh, on the Morning Combat YouTube channel brought to you by CBS Sports and Showtime. But Luke Thomas, when I say Canelo versus Charlo, you got that, that feeling of royalty. What else is on the line here historically when you look at this matchup? This is a huge one, right? This is, a big, this is the biggest test, first of all, for Jermell Charlo. I mean, the guys, this is how interesting the fight is, right? The guy is already an undisputed champion in his own weight class. Here he is attempting the biggest win, jumping up two weight classes. We're talking about a historic achievement if you were to be able to secure one in this way on Saturday, September 30th. That's on his side. For Canelo, chasing his 60th win, fighting someone now, two weight classes below him naturally. But of course, BC, it feeds into the other part of the story. We all kind of thought it was going to be his brother, Jamal <laughs> Charlo. And then, of course, that didn't happen. Jermel steps in. And some people are saying, well, Jermel actually might even be a bit of a tougher fight. Of course, undisputed at 154, Jamal a champion at 160. So in either case, it was a surprise turn of events, but one that actually upped the amount of belts, the amount of storyline, the amount of intrigue. Huge questions to be asked here from both guys. I guess we're going to see what happens. No question. Not just the surprise factor in getting this matchup, which takes place inside T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Uh, that's big enough right there, but it's hard to handicap this one. Jermel Charlo in and around the top 10 of pound for pound in recent years. Yes, taking a huge leap, moving up two weight divisions. But when you see the two stand off against one another like we did. He looks bigger. In the East Coast, West Coast press conference tour to kick this fight off. Jermel looks huge for this. Canelo's always been a smallish middleweight, eventually super middleweight. Heck, he's won titles as high as 175 pounds. Canelo, one of the greatest of all time. But these two catching each other at the right time. Both 33 years old. Both superstars, undisputed champions. Jermel obviously has a chance to make a much bigger leap in a short period with what this can do to his legacy. But, wow, this is one of those fights where it's like, don't know which one way, way this is going to lean, how it's going to play out. But what would that mean for Jermel Charlo? Canelo's already that superstar, that four-division champion, really fighting on his way to maybe one day become the greatest fighter in the lineage of Mexican boxing, which is, means so much. But we re recently saw Terrence Crawford become the first fighter in this modern four-belt era, which began in the late 80s, to be undisputed in two divisions. That just happened over the summer against Errol Spence Jr. If Jermel Charlo joins that group and does it this many weight classes apart from 154 up to 168, you're just adding more historical you know, sauce on top of that. Jermel Charlo has been quite adamant that everything in his career has led to this moment. In fact, that he has been the one 
chasing Canelo, and now he has this opportunity. Again, it kind of came a little bit surprisingly, at least to the public, to, to chase something here and beating a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the best Mexican boxers ever. And again, the guy who holds all of the belts, two weight classes above where he holds all of the belts. But BC, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Canelo, you're right, superstar, legend in the game, chasing his 60th win, and he's the same age as Jermel Charlo, right? So just vastly more professional experience. But there have been some questions, right? When he went up to 175, he got the win against Kovalev, but against Bivol, there was a bit of a setback there. He looked good against John Ryder, but John Ryder was able to last the distance. And some folks are saying, hey, he's 33. What does he really have left? Well, now he's got a guy who is a, at least for his own weight class, a big puncher, a great athlete, same age. You get to you get to put to bed some of those questions if he can go out there and really put it on Jermel Charles. Yeah, no question. Not to mention the whole storyline. At 33 for Canelo, is this a little bit of a weathered older Canelo? His last three fights, which he, where he's gone two and one overall, he'll tell you, I had a left-hand injury. It wasn't really the, the best of me. See me now in a full fight camp. You certainly have that up against the questions of Jermel Charlo. What's it going to look like two divisions higher? Will that punching power carry? What about the chin and all of that? But Luke, when we're talking about this modern four-belt history of the last few decades, we've only seen 10 champions reach undisputed status uh, on the men's side, and this is the first time two reigning and defending men's undisputed champions will face off against one another, but that list is impressive when starting with Bernard Hopkins in 2004 and running all the way through what Terrence Crawford recently did to Errol Spence. In this era, if you can get all four recognized titles together and become that champion, it's one face, one name atop that division. That's what we like it. And for a guy like Canelo Alvarez, he would just retain all of his belts if he wins, obviously. But can you imagine if Jermel Charlo wins? He'll have the four belts from the 154-pound weight class, then all of what would have been Canelo's belts all together. That's like Thanos getting all of the Infinity <laughs> Stones uh, and then using the Infinity Gauntlet to take over everything. I mean, it would be a dr you you just don't see sites like that where guys carry that kind of hardware. It tells you how rare a fight like this really Without is. Without question, so much history, so much royalty, and a fight that you don't really know what it's going to look like or, or ultimately which direction it will go. And those are the best fights. It certainly isn't a 50-50 matchup from the standpoint of betting odds because of the answers that Jermar Charlo has to answer only in the ring come Saturday night. But the standpoint of him raising himself, that's a storyline coming in. Jermel Charlo, we've seen him lose once in the past to Tony Harrison. We've seen him fight to a draw against Brian Castaño in their initial undisputed championship out at 154. But Luke, you follow Charlo's career. What did he do both times? Avenged it by knockout in title rematches. This is a fighter who can raise his game to an all different level. Again, between the two Charlo brothers, there's an argument to be made that Jermel is the more skillful of the two, and that's who Canelo has to lock horns with on Saturday, September 30th. We're going to be with you for the rest of the hour as this morning combat takeover continues here on CBS Sports Network and this showdown pay-per-view brought to you by premier boxing champions. We are excited. And when we return, it's time to do a little resume review. Canelo style. We'll look back at the Mexican superstars rise, his biggest wins and how he got here when the morning combat takeover and the ultimate preview returns. Canelo versus Charlo, the ultimate preview, getting fired up for Saturday, September 30th, continues right now in the morning combat takeover. Luke Thomas, when we look at the tremendous rise of Mexican icon and four-division champion Canelo Alvarez, it seemed only perfect that we would take a segment of our award-winning show, Morning Combat, resume review, and break down the best moments of how Canelo got here. 
So if I'm looking at the three fights that have defined his career, Luke, I got to start first and foremost at what I believe to be his biggest win, and that went down September 15th, 2018, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, the rematch with Gennady Golovkin to unify three middleweight world titles. Luke, you remember the year before 2017, they fought to a very disputed draw where many people thought Triple G should have gotten the nod. What type of response did Canelo make in that rematch to you? A complete reformation. In the first fight, not only was the scoring debatable to the point of being questionable by some folks' eyes, but that's not the story. Adelaide Bird, anybody? Adelaide Bird, <laughs> she's still around. But the point is that Canelo got backed up the entire time in the first fight. He got pushed around. It was Triple G who was leading the way. It was Triple G who was kind of dictating real estate and position. But BC, as you indicated, not only is this a great win because obviously Canelo got his hand raised, but because he turned the tide completely. In the second fight, it was him pushing Triple G around. It was him meeting him in the middle. It was him putting this guy, this, this monster, the big drama show, on the back foot. And BC, it worked. It was a much better performance. Again, whatever what you people thought of the first fight versus the second one, this was a much stronger showing from Canelo, but it was more than that. It was a courageous showing from him. He really took the opportunity to say, I'm going to grab this fight by the scruff of the neck, and that's why he got the W in the end. Look, this is one of the best fights of the modern era when you bring in the standpoint of what it meant mixed with how exciting it was. A majority decision win for Alvarez. That still was debated like the first fight because Triple G, you got to give him the credit. He was in this from start to finish. His jab was always a big factor. But you have to look at this even closer than that and say, this might be the night that Canelo won over even the most critical Mexican old-school boxing fan who rightfully adored Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. But what they saw on this night was everything you mentioned, Canelo doing it the hard way. He ate tremendous punishment from one of the most devastating knockout punchers in Golovkin in middleweight history. And in some ways, if you look at the stats, boxing history, that's when Canelo, you want to say, became a man. He was already a decorated champion, had beat so many legends even before that. But there was a before and after feeling like if he could do this against Golovkin in a close fight, what else could he do moving forward? And by the way, I'm glad you brought it up. One uh, additional note there, the, the chin on Canelo Alvarez, legendary, never been down, never been knocked down, took some of Triple G's best punches and just walked through them. Amazing. Well, that idea of Canelo potentially being limitless after that performance against Golovkin really took form some 14 months and three fights later, also in Las Vegas, this time at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, and it was November 2nd, 2019, when Canelo, former champion at 154, unified champion at 160, decided to go all the way up after winning in, uh, a secondary title at 168 pounds to the light heavyweight division. It's crazy and it, to look back on this. Now we go, oh, Canelo versus Sergey Kovalev, great knockout, saw the highlight. He was moving up to ridiculous uncharted territory from the standpoint of daring to be great against an older Sergey Kovalev who came in with a record of 34-3-1. But you know the reputation, the power of Kovalev, and just that size difference. But yet it was Canelo who acted like the bigger man and walked the slugger down at 175. He really did. And then you could, he finished him off against the ropes. But BC, there's also an argument to be made Kovalev was winning that contest up until the point of the stoppage. Again, some of that is debatable. But nevertheless, here is a guy daring to be great to borrow from the great Brian Campbell, really trying to do something spectacular and go up to 175. And yes, was this a prime Kovalev? That is certainly in debate. Okay, fair enough. But for his power to carry as far as it did, for him to rally, not rally, but you know, finish strong, let's put it that way in the way that he did, did, it showed you that Canelo truly is capable of extraordinary greatness. I mean, he connected on meaning Alvarez nearly 50 
90% of his power shots in this fight. Kovalev turned into the boxer, but Canelo got the late stoppage, got the late finish, and just a legendary performance there with the 11th round knockout. Fight number three, and it's hard to pick when you're talking about somebody like Canelo. But, Luke, this one stood out to you. It was yeah. the fight before the Sergey Kovalev fight. Same thing, Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, May 4th of 2019, and a middleweight title unification bout against the very skilled and talented 35-2 and two Daniel Jacobs. And I had long said as a boxing critic and journalist, if he can get into the ring, meaning Canelo with Jacobs, you've got size, speed, power, length. These are things that Canelo hadn't seen in this full package like this before. I love this fight for a very particular reason. A lot of times in boxing and combat sports, we talk about intangibles like who wants it more or things that folks can easily point to, big power, big chin, whatever. But in this fight, it was smarts. And Danny Jacob gave Canelo, I won't say everything he could handle, but a lot to think about. Two of the judges had it 115-113, a very close fight. The other one had, I believe, 116-112. to 112. So it was close all the way through. Two of the judges had it by a narrow, narrow margin. And then Danny Jacobs, by the way, coming on a little bit late, hitting Canelo with some huge punches along the way. But it was how Canelo problem-solved and BC while Jacobs had a bit of a late rally in this fight. It was, to me, some of the defensive work. There's famous highlights that come from this fight of Canelo using his famous head, shoulder, and trunk movement to get out of the way. It's the IQ. It's the problem-solving in this fight that I really liked. Canelo connecting on 40% of his punches overall, nearly 46% of his power shots, an incredible victory. And, look, it's Canelo, so we can cheat a little, add a couple bonus ones. I love the when he first won the middleweight title in 2015 by outboxing Miguel Cotto. But that 2019 super middleweight four-belt unification against Caleb Plant. We did see everything that makes Canelo great in that one. Uh, I think it was 2021 when he fought Caleb Plant. 2021, excuse But me, nevertheless, yes, we were there for that one. Another guy, a slickster, very hard to find. So Canelo had to use all of his trapping skills and his very careful shot selection skills, and he still managed to get him done. Took a while, took up until the 11th, but he hunted him down, got the job done. It shows you, doesn't matter the style, sure. doesn't matter the size. None of it does. Canelo had an answer up to all through all of these fights. And how great was Canelo? He can fight in so many different divisions. He can also fight in so many different styles. We've seen him as the one-punch counterpuncher. We've seen him as the aggressive boxer. We've also seen him as the slugger, like when he walked down Kovalev. An incredible career that's still going for Canelo Alvarez. But when we return, we'll look at the journey his opponent took to get to this point. The four-belt, 154-pound champion, Jermel Charlo, is going to go under the resume review spotlight when Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, and the morning combat takeover continues here on CBS Sports Network. Undisputed versus undisputed. It goes down this Saturday. Canelo versus Charlo. How about a resume review of the 33-year-old Jermel Charlo, the undisputed champion at 154 pounds, Luke? We know taking a big risk here and moving up two weight divisions, but his path to get here has featured tremendous fights, especially in rematches. And number one on a resume review of Charlo is his last fight two years ago, Brian Castaño, the May 14th, 2022 rematch of their disputed draw, unifying all four 154-pound titles. Luke, for as close as that first one was, and you certainly could argue in favor of Castaño, what did Charlo do in this rematch? Take the judges out of it. He took the judges out of it with his brilliant left hook. He has just one of the best left hooks in all of boxing, but it was more than that. 
you can't get away from the pressure of Brian Castaño. It was all over him like white on rice. So he kind of did what he could to mitigate it. Good lateral movement, pump at the jab when uh, it was appropriate. But more than that, fighting fire with fire, sitting down on his punches, accepting that some close contact was inevitable, but using the better shot selection, better timing, everything else involved to get the job done. Finally cracked him with a left hook, sent him collapsing to the canvas. He couldn't really recover thereafter. And Charlo unified the weight class. This was the best win in Charlo's career because of what people were saying. Did look a little bit flat and overwhelmed in the first fight by Castaño's aggressive style from Argentina. But what they did in the rematch with Charlo meeting him in the phone booth and basically saying, I'm more skilled, I got more dog or maybe more lion than you in that regard. <laughs> Lions His only. His power won out. Look, I always say it. Normally, if somebody connects on 40% of their power punches, we say, well, they probably won the fight. And this fight, both fighters connected on more than 40%. Nearly 47 for Charlo. It was a two-way war. Both had big moments. But Charlo was right. His chin, his power, and the delivery system he used to get there, he matched Castaño and bested him when it mattered most to secure history. But we talked earlier about Charlo having a thing for rematches and raising his game. You got to go back to his second time with Tony Harrison. Harrison had taken a decision off of Jermel Charlo in late 2018, disputed one of that, could have gone either way. When they got a second chance on national television with the world watching, it's something about Charlo. When you push Jermel, put his back to the wall, raise the criticism against him, sometimes what you get is spectacular, Luke. This one was in Ontario, California, December 21st, 2019. What jumps out to you the most when looking back on Charlo Harrison, too? By the way, another left hook that sent Tony Harrison crashing to the canvas a couple of times in this fight. The big thing to me was... I, I, I talked to Stephen Breadman Edwards in August, and what he told me was Jermel Charlo has the clutch gene. Because if you go back and you watch this fight, even in the rematch for long stretches of the fight, Harrison is outboxing him. He's landing all kinds of stuff, and, and really, in many cases, Charlo didn't have an answer. But here's what he did have, patience, and he figured out, I can't punch when Harrison is really employing all his defense. But if I can get him to open up, if I can get him to really extend himself and I can punch with him, well, now it's a different ball game. He does exactly that, dropped him early in the fight, and then, of course, at the end, and Harrison simply could not recover. I'm going to say it one more time. The left hook of Jermel Charlo is one of the best in all of the sport, and he used it to fantastic effect in this fight while definitely being down on the scorecard. There's been different points of interest in Charlo's career, different arcs, but this was the period he was figuring out how to be a lethal counterpuncher, landing just shy of 50% of his power punches overall. And even though it took until round 11 to get there, that power arrived and it was a game changer. If you're going to look at a third fight, though, to pick of Charlo's career, there's something about when he decided to join forces with Derek James, one of the top trainers in boxing, and what James did to bring out the power. People forget that Jermel was looked at as more of a slick boxer earlier in his career. But October 14th, 2017, in the third defense of his WBC 154-pound title, young Erickson Lubin brought in an 18-0 record against Charlo, Luke, this fight did not get out of the first round, but what we learned and we're in the process of learning as Charlo was fresh off a similar destruction of Charles Hatley a few months earlier is if you're in range against Jermel Charlo, you're in trouble. The interesting part about Jermel Charlo is we've been talking about his left hook and how legendary it is, and it is all of those things. 
But how about this fact, folks? He's got power in both hands. He finished Lubin off with the first right hand, I believe, he threw in the entire fight. Certainly the first uppercut. Now Lubin was moving into it, and this was a huge meeting between top prospects at the time, and Charlo just ran him over with that right hand of his getting the uppercut. And it goes to show you, BC, a guy like Charlo can win with his jab like he did against Jason Rosario, jabbing to the body, scoring a finish that way. He can win with the left hook, so he's very lead hand dominant. But when he needs to, that big powerful right hand, athletic, well-timed, well-trained, it can do damage as well. And it sent Lube into the land of wind and ghosts. 35-1-1, one one, the ledger for Jermel Charlo, 19 knockouts, but it's really that rounding out of his game over the years. Now he can fight so many different styles. Will he need to be the boxer against Canelo or the puncher or maybe a hybrid of both? We're going to find out, of course, at T-Mobile Arena this Saturday and only on Showtime Pay-Per-View. Obviously, Charlo doesn't have the same accomplishments, the same sort of legendary run and few have had of Canelo, but he's really been putting together big names and big fights and big opportunities. It does seem to fit his personality to go from making history against Castaño to wanting to do the same with Canelo. Again, clutch gene. The guy finds ways to win fights. He did not arrive here by accident. He might have arrived here somewhat fortuitously, but he didn't arrive here by accident. He's a real threat. And again, we haven't we haven't talked about it at, in detail, but when they stand next to each other, you can see that he looks to be something of a similar frame, actually a bigger frame than Canelo, despite having to move up two different weight classes. But one more note on this thing, if I can, the right hand, he used to stop all kinds of guys with it, right? Derek Lubin was one. Uh, John Jackson was another one before that. And now it's mostly with his left hand. He has refined his game around core weapons. And honestly, I think that makes him more dangerous. You might say it's simplified his game, and it has, but that is what has made it more dangerous, if you ask me. Well, when we return, we're going to take what may look like the simple, but break it down with deep detail. Professor Salt and Pepper, Luke Thomas, will be teaching class with an MK vehicle we called dissected, focusing on the style of one Canelo Alvarez when the Canelo Charlo ultimate preview in Morning Combat Takeover returns. Canelo Charlo, the ultimate preview continues. I promise he's about to teach class. It's Professor Salt and Pepper, a.k.a. Luke Thomas, with a dissected on the career of Canelo Alvarez. All right, we're going to look at a couple of fights from his BC. Now, of course, there's a broad array of fights we could pick. We're going to look at some of the Showtime fights, one a little bit older, one a little bit newer. The first one, of course, Jose Cito Lopez. Now, BC, it would be fair to say Jamal Charlo and Jamal Charlo, neither of the Charlo brothers are exactly like Jose Cito Lopez. Right. They're better, they're different, but here's why this is important. Look where they are up against the ropes. That's the key detail there. Jermel Charlo, for as good as he is, and he is quite gifted, often finds himself up there. So watch what Canelo does here. He jabs to push a guy back, right? Pushes him back, doubles the jab, blinds him with the jab, then comes the uppercut. The uppercut is just a decoy so he can throw that left hook right to the body, and it actually does super bad damage and sends Lopez crashing to the canvas. Watch him use his ability, BC, to cut off the ring with stance switches. He parries the jab off, lowers his level. Lopez sees it. And, of course, he fires the right hand. Lopez moves to the back foot here. But now watch Canelo. He's going to take a step forward into southpaw, continues to blind him, brings the guard up, and then, of course, resets, goes back to his stance. But look at where Lopez is, right up against the ropes. He's got nowhere to go, BC. So Canelo is about to go on the attack. 
Here he is. He jabs, pushes him back. One more time. Uppercut. What do you think is going to come? Bam. Right behind it. Bang. Right to the liver. It's his famous signature punch. The uppercut is just a decoy to set up for the left hand this there. This may be a younger Big Red, but that one punch out to the body is still in play at all times. No doubt about it. And this is something we'll see later in the Charlo dissected. A lot of his opponents hit this on him. So you might have to see this later on. We'll, we will find out September 30th. And of course, he goes crashing. And then just watch the flurry here. Jab, double jab to the body, up top, uppercut. Another one to the body, over the top, and it sends him crashing. When he wants to, he moves downhill on guys. There's just not much they can do. Now, this is my favorite. We were at this one. This is Caleb Plant from 2021. Now, Caleb Plant is a very different fighter than Jermel Charlo, but there will be some meaningful overlap. Again, where are they? Right up against the ropes. This is going to be important. Pay attention to this beautiful uppercut from Canelo Alvarez. Canelo's got a great jab. We saw the left hook to the body. Watch this right uppercut and how he sets it up. It is all started. There is a jab right here. You can see it from... Plant, Canelo parries it, lowers his level, gets another jab out of Plant, and watch him, he's going to leap into this left hook. This is the problem with this Philly shell. You've only got one hand here. You're kind of going to get two. He doesn't, so watch. Bow! Cracks him, right? He even leaves his feet. Look at Canelo. Not even on the ground, BC. And that sends him tumbling. This is where it gets good. Watch this. He backs up. Canelo pushes him off. Plant is going to put his weight here to kind of stabilize himself because he's been hit with a big shot. Canelo is going to bring this right hand back. Watch this, just like this. And you see he knows that the right hand is cocked, but he doesn't know which way it's going. Plus, he's ricocheted back. Now he's moving forward. He's going to bend at the waist thinking it's going to come around here. But it doesn't, BC. It goes right Ooh. there. Catches him as he's moving into it. And folks, that is all she wrote. One of my absolute favorite shots. Canelo Alvarez, a power puncher, a hunter along the rope line, tons of setups, tons of different weapons. We saw him go left hook upstairs in the Lopez fight, left hook downstairs. And, and he's a technician, but deceptively physical when he needs to set up his attack. You love the little sly work on the inside to be the bigger man in there. Maybe he's not the tallest, but the girth, the strength that he walks around with it's a factor. No doubt about it. And again, go back to the right-handed uppercut here. In the first fight we showed you with Lopez, he, he was landing it, but it wasn't really a hard punch. It was only so he could get to the angle. This time, it was the finisher. So power in either hand, right? He can do whatever he wants to in terms of knocking an opponent out. He's got the power to do it. And one hand can be a decoy. The other hand can be a decoy. And all of it happens along the rope line. This is why in the keys to victory, we're going to talk about it, BC. There's just no way you can have a conversation about this fight without some kind of conversation about the real estate and up against the rope line. We'll look at more of this from Jermel Charlo later, but it could be a big problem for him if Canelo is the one pressing him and you can see all the magic he has in those positions. Well, here's what I love about the Charlo fight is Plank can move. Maybe he didn't have the firepower to hurt Canelo. Jermel Charlo does. And when we return on the ultimate preview, Charlo versus Canelo, Canelo versus Charlo, so much at stake. We're going to look exactly at Jermel Charlo's game from the inside out, dissected. We're going to break it all down. The morning combat takeover continues here on CBS Sports Network. We'll be right back.
All things Canelo Charlo ahead of Saturday Super Fight on Showtime pay-per-view. And under the microscope now, dissected form, is Jermel Charlo the undisputed champion at 154? But Luke Thomas moving up two weight divisions but brings a lot of talent, speed, and power along with him. His game is simple, but it's not easy to beat. He really is all roads lead to his lead hand. That is where the vast majority of Jermel Charlo's offense comes from. He's got a great jab, as we all know. Now, he doesn't use it so much as much as he maybe should, but when he does, it's highly effective. And, of course, the left hook, one of the best left hookers in the game. Here we're going to look at three different fights. This is the Tony Harrison rematch. Now, I'm going to say it again. If you go back and watch this one, Harrison was winning this, if by a wide margin, pretty close to it. But the power, the speed, Jermel Charlo once again showing what happens. When, BC, when Tony is locked up like this and just kind of rolling, he couldn't unlock it. He Absolutely. couldn't open the door. But when he got him to punch with him, he could. The other factor is, before, he might have doubled up on the left hook. He would go body head. But he didn't change elevation. Watch what happens when he does. He is going to go low. Harrison's going to meet him. And he's going to fire a left hook. To the body. Harrison thinks it's going to be done, but he comes up with it. They're both punching at the same time. He actually eats the punch, but then he cracks Harrison. So it was something of a 50-50. One more time, go back and watch this if you can. Greets him here. He does not respond. He's waiting to catch him a little bit higher up top, just like this. But then now he has punched, and this is the exact moment he's open. And power for power, Harrison simply had no answer for it. And this is the one. Speed is power, and you have to guess Jermel Charlo coming up in weight from the lower weight classes is going to have that speed advantage, particularly the feet, yes, but also in the hands against Canelo. No doubt about it. So there he is. He sends him back stumbling, and ultimately that's what closed the show. Here's the Jason Rosario fight. By the way, you go back and watch this. What's the first punch he landed in this fight? Do you remember? No. Body jab. What's the last punch he landed? Oh, in I remember fight? that one. That one. Body jab. <laughs> Take a look at this one. It doesn't look like much. He's gonna punch up top to get, of course, Banana's hands. That's, that's his name. Banana. Put bring his hands up there, and then he's just gonna go right to the body. Pop. There it is. Bang. Just like that. And it's people might say, oh, what about the belt line? It's mostly above the belt line. It looks to me like a legal shot. And you can see he's kind of gritting and and you know really biting into the mouthpiece as he does it. And it just collapses him, sends him crashing to the mat. Now, this is my favorite one, BC, if I can just be honest with you. This is the Brian Castaño rematch. We saw the left hook against Tony Harrison. We saw the jab against Rosario. Let's bring back that left hook. Here we had a case where Castaño was all over him. He could not escape. So there's tons of lateral movement. There's tons of jabbing that's going involved. But the way in which he was able to really make effective use of the left hand was up against the ropes. He would kind of invite that pressure, but that would bring him into range. Be careful what you ask for. And he would duel with him. Guys, if you're 154 pounds, don't duel with him. <laughs> He's going to win every time. It, it consistently happens over and over again. So let's watch this sequence here. This is the left hand that finally gets it done. They're fighting in close succession here. You can see them wrapping up on one side. Charlo's going to, excuse me, Charlo is going to, as I show you the arrow here, he's going to fire this right hand to the body just like this. Boom. Kind of goes around. And then the left hand is going to come up top. And this is my favorite part about this punch, BC. Castaño sees it coming. He's actually bracing for it. 
Look at how outside it is here. Watch how narrow the path ends up becoming to go right to the target. Watch this. Look at this short left hook. His arm is barely, uh, his fist is barely away from his shoulder, and he generates enough power not to go around the glove, to come inside of it, catches him, and that, of course, sends him sitting you know, to the canvas. Charlo's unique. He's an educated action fighter. He brings technique to explosive situations. Hard to prepare for, can throw from different angles. That combination of speed and power, I'm not sure Canelo has fought somebody exactly like this in this package, a very unique offensive fight. And the thing is, we talk about the fact that he doesn't have enough offense in certain situations, and that's true. By the way, he's stepping into this punch, so that has to help Lions only, by the way. But the point I want to make is, because he is so reserved against the ropes, sometimes that can work against him, that's true. But other times what it does is it brings guys into that dueling I was talking about because they're like, oh, he's just standing there covering up. Well, let me just tee off on him. Okay, do that at your own peril. Do that at your own peril. That is exactly how this guy became the undisputed champion at 154 pounds. People didn't take his power seriously. They thought he was too defensive, and every one of them ended up paying for it in the end. That is the Jamel Charlo experience. Whew, Jamel Charlo. Put it all together for this moment, the biggest fight of his career. We can only find out Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, what that result will be. But when we return here on Morning Combat's takeover on CBS Sports Network and all things Canelo Charlo, the ultimate preview, we're going to go behind the numbers, see recent trends, where they stack up copy box-wise. But more importantly, we are going to provide keys to victory to both fighters don't miss it. We'll be right back after this. Your morning combat takeover continues. Just days away from the biggest fight of the fall season, Canelo versus Charlo on Showtime pay-per-view. And it's time now to go inside the numbers and look at the keys to victory for both fighters as we get closer to this four-belt showdown at 168 pounds. Luke, you'll take the reigning and defending champion, the superstar Canelo Alvarez, what should he be focused on in terms of keys to victory for this one? I mean, partly it's going to be offense. Partly it's going to be the right kinds of defense. Let's talk about the big offensive part that I think will define this fight. Number one, he's got to push Charlo back to the ropes. Charlo gives up space very easily. He has a lot of great qualities, but that would not be one of them. Many opponents have pushed him back without necessarily a ton of effort to get there. So... Canelo has experience doing that and is very lethal there, and it works well against Charlo. You got to push him up against the ropes. That's number one. Number two, you got to keep that right hand up, BC, because that <laughs> left hook is coming. We don't know exactly how Charlo's power will translate at 168 pounds against a guy we told you has a legendary chin. Maybe it won't make a big difference. Maybe it will. Hard to say. But you don't even want to risk it. It's his best punch. It's his winning punch. It is why he is here. You must be careful about it. And the last thing I'm going to say is something Canelo is very good at, which is keep it funky. Keep it not – he doesn't do crazy things, but what I mean is – Constantly giving different looks, different setups, different ways to approach. He's got his guard here. He'll have a bit of a lazy guard down here. He'll have his head moving going a certain way. Kind of keeping a guy like Charlo, who doesn't throw a ton of offense on his toes, not knowing what to expect, not getting in wild exchanges with him, giving him different looks, giving him different views, making him somewhat hesitant to throw, and that opens the door for a very creative 
offensive mind in the way that Canelo Alvarez is. No doubt, and Canelo, one of the greatest uh, artists in that regard. Remember what he did against Callum Smith in that high guard in their super middleweight title? Punching belt, the arm. Beating up the arms until he caused an injury. Incredible. When I talk about Charlo's keys to victory, I look more on perfecting the simple, basic things against Canelo than trying to do, do too much. And number one, I think it's pretty obvious, jab, jab, jab. If there is some level of a playbook or Cliff's notes on how to give Canelo trouble, well, you need certain physical attributes to do that. But a big part of that is keeping the jab in his face, not only to control the distance, Canelo from having easier destructive counter shots, particularly the body in close, but really you want to outwork him. Canelo has gotten the benefit of the doubt traditionally from judges on the scorecards and does that very efficiently, judiciously without throwing a ton of punches, just making those punches count. You're always going to be in a deficit in that regard against him. High volume is a key part of that, but obviously using that jab as a weapon. And number two, I think you combine it with the jab and it's the idea of make Canelo chase. It's going to be the footwork that wins this in the end for Jermel Charlo. Some people think the chin, and I respect that with him moving up two weight divisions. But the one key that a fighter, I believe, can take advantage against Charlo, against Canelo, especially an athlete like Charlo, is in the standpoint of having quicker feet. Canelo has mastered the ability to offset his lack of speed, particularly when he was in the lower weight classes at 154 with his timing and also his incredible chunk movement. But if I'm Charlo, I certainly want to get in land something of authority and gain his respect. But I want to make him chase at times. I want to make him use some of that energy and get out of his comfort zone. But number three is really a point where everybody hits against the great Canelo. Few can take it and rise above. But if Charlo's got the chance, he's got to go for it. And that is certainly his style to do that. We've seen him come from behind, rally, get late knockouts against Tony Harrison and Brian Castaño after breaking them down. But Charlo is, in my opinion, perfectly suited for what it would take to beat Canelo. And you're going to have to be big in the moment. Dimitri Bivol recently was able to beat Canelo, but he did it more with fundamentals and a size advantage right there. Charlo may not have that exact advantage moving up two divisions, but can he, in the moment when it matters, use activity, yes, but land big shots of consequence? If I'm Charlo, I have to be committed knowing that I can get knocked out with a big counter shot because that's the only chance really to win it. You're going to have to outwork Canelo, but you're going to have to outdare him in the biggest moments and I do believe Charlo has the firepower to at least make Canelo honest in this fight. We don't really know how that size difference is actually going to equate from the chin down to the fist power, but you have to believe if you're Canelo, you got to respect the firepower that's coming back at you. Yeah, it'd be foolish to not do that. Also, one more thing to keep in mind, no matter which way you lean for keys to victory here, it is in Las Vegas. Canelo Alvarez has traditionally done well in Las Vegas. The judges seem to favor his style. And we talked before about how Charlo has the clutch gene, which is true. But one thing that is also true about his fights is that sometimes there'll be a lot of rounds that go by. He's not winning. He cannot afford to give up rounds against a guy like Canelo. He has to put as much volume as he reasonably can if he wants to get his hand raised. And, and Canelo is one of the most accurate punchers in this game. If you're going to try to be too selective with him, he's going to typically land more when you look at the CompuBox numbers over his career. But when we return, the ultimate preview continues in its final prediction time. Who wins? Canelo versus Charlo. Be right back and find out. It's Canelo versus Charlo, undisputed versus undisputed this Saturday on Showtime Pay-Per-View. Time, though, for predictions. Let's find out who wins and why. And Luke Thomas, before we get there, one thing I want to say coming off of our earlier talk about the styles, if there's been any criticism of Charlo, it's been at times being too selective, not throwing enough. 
He has talked about coming out and really making the jab a, a such a key part of this. If he doesn't out throw Canelo, does he have a chance to win this? Um, his chances go down dramatically if he doesn't. I'll say that. I mean, you, he always has a chance. Again, we're talking about a guy who's a spectacular fighter, but if he is apportioning his offense too little round by round, that will really hurt his chances. So I actually can't wait to see this fight. I mean, you look at Charlo's game and you think it's a somewhat of a simple game, but it's not an easy game to beat. Don't let the simplicity fool you. Again, the simplicity makes it actually more difficult because of how much he has mastered the fundamentals. I, and I recognize, BC, that Canelo is not necessarily the Canelo at 28 who fought you know, previously and looked you know, tremendous in the ways he did against Danny Jacobs. Nevertheless, I'm going to side with Canelo by decision on this one, BC. And the reason I'm going to say that is because I think Charlo can make it competitive. I think Charlo can hurt Canelo. But the creativity of Canelo, having seen so many different styles before and body types, even if he is somewhat longer in the tooth, I still think that creativity is going to lift him to victory. Charlo will make it interesting. Canelo will get his hand raised. Well, there's certainly no shortage of superstars in the corners of these two fighters when we're talking about Eddie Reynoso for Canelo Alvarez, a perennial trainer of the year contender. And typically the guy he's competing against is Derek James in the corner of Jermel Charlo. But I don't think we can discount the work of a guy who's been in and out of the Charlo corner in recent years, but is now taking more of a co-trainer or secondary trainer role. And that's former world champion Joan Guzman, 34-1-1 as a pro, two-division world title holder. But if you go back and watch, uh, I think Baby Tyson, he used to call himself, he fights in a skilled but nasty style that I have to, my eyes are telling me Jermel is mimicking to some degree. And I think, Luke, that's going to be the difference if Jermel can do it because we are going to need to ask him to do two things at the same time. One, use that footwork like I talked about and get in and out and hit and not get hit. But two, land something of consequence in close quarters and be able to use your size to stand up to the seemingly bigger Canelo. And I say seemingly because Canelo's going to be thicker. We know that. But Canelo fights more at his walking around weight than he does in terms of the big weight cut. And Charlo could have a four-inch height advantage and a two-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. Can he put on enough weight where, where the size difference isn't a factor in here? I guess this is the question I'm trying to ask that's going to fuel my prediction, but how much do you think the size difference is a factor ultimately? It's going to be really hard to say. I mean, navigating two weight classes, people are like, oh, he's not going to have to cut as much weight. He's going to feel better, but then you're going to be heavier. You're going to be slower. It's going to change everything that you're used to about what it meant to fight in your normal weight class and how he's going to negotiate that. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know how he's going to that, – that's why this is such a difficult challenge for Charlo. I think he's up to it. I think it's going to make him a little bit slower, which is going to make him more hittable, but I think it's going to up his power, and that might make all the difference. That's a key part of it. So when I make my prediction, it comes down to this. If Charlo can pass the size difference – and that's a, no, that's a big if. He's got to be able to show the chin to deal with a pinpoint one-punch counterpunch or a deadly one in Canelo. But I know he has that – part about him that's not just the clutch gene, the ability to rise in the big moment. There's a nasty edge to Jermel. And I don't want to overlook what we've learned in the all-access Showtime documentary series building up here. This is a mature Jermel Charlo who seems to have all his ducks in a row, a fighter who maybe in the past used to rely on emotion sometimes too much to fuel him. And maybe that's a big part of him coming back with his back against the wall in big fights. But we didn't see trash talk in the build to here. We saw a professional preparing himself for a business trip, a professional coming in here with danger, with youthfulness. Yes, they're the same age, but the mileage on the two of them is much different. We got to answer the size difference. Yes, if you're a Jermel fan, and you've got to answer the part that he's been off for almost two years. 
But at the end of the day, I think he does have the blueprint and the skills to get this done. I don't think Canelo's going to get older overnight, and I do think he'll bounce back better than maybe how he's looked with that left-hand injury in his last three fights. But I also think this might be the time for Charlo to get it done. Give me Jermel Charlo by upset de- mm. decision by outworking the great one wow. in Big Red, Canelo Alvarez. Can't wait. Only on Showtime pay-per-view this Saturday from Las Vegas. You can buy it right now by going to Showtime.com slash PPV. But for now, your morning combat takeover is over. Watch our award-winning show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Morning Combat YouTube channel. For Luke Thomas, I'm Brian Campbell. Canelo versus Charlo, undisputed galore. Enjoy the fight.